If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of August 23rd, 2020. The podcast that takes the cake and eats it too. This is your host, Shane Killian. Next weekend is the fifth weekend of the month, so there'll be no podcast for two weeks. For now, let's lenticulate the news of the bogus. So this is another one about home defense that happened just down the road for me. A woman, Peggy Fox, trespassed on an elderly man's property and tried to take his Trump sign, so he shot her, hitting her in the arm. He's been charged with misdemeanor assault. Here's the thing. She didn't get shot up with an AR-15 or anything. It was a BB gun. She was hit with a BB in the arm. I mean, she needed what? A stitch? She claimed that she thought it was her brother's yard and someone had put the sign there as a prank. Then, quote, I felt pain in my arm and I looked up and I heard this gentleman yelling at me. Regular listeners should have spotted the text bridge. 76-year-old Worth McAllister said he yelled at her to stop, and she wouldn't, so he grabbed a BB gun he used to keep away stray cats and fired at her. He then encouraged her to call the police, believing, quite rightly, that he was perfectly within his rights, not expecting to actually be charged. Fox whined to WSOC-TV, quote, You can't shoot people on your property. Uh, you can if they're trespassing and stealing your stuff. Quote, he actually believed he could shoot me if I was on his property, and to me, that's terrifying. No, what's terrifying is that you think you can trespass on an elderly man's yard and steal his property without consequences. McAllister just said, You defend your property, and you end up getting charged. Well, that's how it is. Fox then tried to make it anti-Trump or something, quote, I think it speaks to the political conditions, and it's really, really sad. I just wish people would talk. Well, I just wish people wouldn't go taking other people's stuff. Ha! I win! Kind of makes you wonder if she's really being sincere, or if she's actually just a Karen trying to take a Trump sign and got caught out for it. WSOC, of course, had extremely biased coverage, so brickbats to them, treating the woman's words as gospel truth while using weasel words with McAllister's. But only one of these people has admitted to being a criminal, and it's not McAllister. Reporter Ken Lemon tweeted, A Lingaton man is charged for shooting a woman with a BB gun in a dispute over a Trump 2020 sign. It wasn't a dispute, Lemon. She was on his property stealing his sign. There's no dispute there. Raw Story did a slightly better job of reporting it. They quoted the police report saying, Peggy Fox told WSOC-TV she saw a political sign in what she thought was her brother's front yard. When she went to remove it, his 76-year-old neighbor shot her with an air gun, striking her near the elbow. Fox said she thought the sign was placed in the yard by a prankster, as her brother never talks about politics. What's more, the sign was placed closer to her brother's front door than the neighbor's house, and the exact property lines were unclear to her. Well, maybe she should be looking at this as a valuable life lesson. Make sure you know whose property it is before you run onto it and start swiping things. I mean, maybe he'll shoot your eye out next time. The report continued, 
Fox didn't make it a few steps before she felt the excruciating pain of the pellet. The neighbor, Worth McAllister, said he yelled at Fox to stop before he opened fire. Fox said she didn't hear him say anything. When Fox confronted McAllister, he encouraged her to call the police. Apparently the BB is still in her arm. She was showing off the x-rays to the TV cameras, as well as the tiny little wound it made. As usual, it's a really bad idea to take a look at the comments, but I did anyway. And people were far more distressed about him shooting stray cats than they were about him shooting her. Make of that what you will. McAllister said he was wanting to file charges against Fox for trespassing and attempted theft, but apparently, for some stupid reason, he can't do that until his assault case is heard on November 5th. Best of luck to him. If you're looking for ways to support this channel, but you don't have any spare cash and you can't stand advertisements, you can do so by generating your own cryptocurrency. Use the links at the bottom of the description to listen to the podcast and all of my videos on BitTube.tv or LBRY.tv to get cryptocurrency for the creator and yourself. Or if you listen to the podcast at the podcast page, you'll also generate crypto. You can also go to Airtime.Bogosity.tv to get the Airtime extension and generate crypto for yourself and the creators on the web anywhere you go, including my YouTube channel. Get five tubes free just for installing the extension and signing up. And then simply browse the web as normal. Easily monetize your favorite creators and yourself with cryptocurrency without advertising on BidTube.tv or LBRY.tv or with the Airtime extension at Airtime.Pagosity.tv. Okay, switching continents now, another dumb law, this time in Germany, requiring dog owners to walk their dogs twice a day. And walking your dog means walking him for one hour. That's two hours a day of dog walking. For the record, most dogs do not need this much walking. Ask your vet, but it depends on things like the dog's breed, age, size, and overall health, none of which the law adjusts for. Two hours is more indicative for high-energy breeds like Border Collies, Labrador Retrievers, and Australian Cattle Dogs. But those breeds aren't recommended anyway for people who live in the city and don't have a sizable yard. In fact, this could actually be bad for senior dogs, dogs over 7 or 8 years of age depending on breed. Forcing them to walk too much can be bad on their joints, and they may not have the energy for it anyway. The new law comes from Germany's agricultural minister, Julia Kluckner, because many of the country's 9.4 million dogs aren't getting enough exercise, according to her. I am so glad Germany has solved all their other problems and can now focus on this. Additionally, dogs may not be left alone all day, and the person will be required to be there for their dog several times a day, whatever that means. Most full-grown dogs will be fine on their own for 8 hours. Puppies will need to get out more, but again, the law doesn't allow for any adjustment here. Also, do they not have dog walking services in Germany? And it might even be bad for pups, too. The Kennel Club recommends that for puppies, you walk them for 5 minutes for every month of their age. So a 3-month-old pup should only be walked for 15 minutes at a time. They need to be 12 months old, nearly an adult for most breeds, to require the full hour. And again, it also depends on other factors. 
The club recommends 30 to 60 minutes a day for most healthy dogs, not two hours. I have no idea what BS pseudoscience they're basing this on. Kluckner said, Dogs are not cuddly toys. They also have their own needs, which need to be taken into account. Okay, so why don't you do that? The law has come under fire from people in her own party, such as Zaskia Ludwig, who said that the heat wave meant it wasn't suitable for dogs to be outside for so long. She tweeted, I will not be taking my Rhodesian Ridge back for two rounds of walks in 32 degrees heat. Rather, we will jump in the river for a refreshing cool down instead. For people who use sensible temperature scales, she's talking about 90 degree weather. Yorkshire Terrier owner Bearable Clyde said, I find it patronizing to be told how long I should take my dog out for, and who's going to check up on me? Will the neighbor call the police if they suspect me of not taking Sam for long enough walks? He wouldn't manage two hours a day anyway. Walter Schweitz, owner of a 14-year-old German Shepherd with cancer, said his dog was unable to do more than short walks, and said, They should trust people to get on with their lives. They'll be telling cat owners how often they need to change their litter trays next. But that's how government is. Maybe more people will start to realize it the more they pass these stupid laws. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.bogosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. If people knew how easy it was to get past most door locks, they'd be completely paranoid. And there's one more technique pen testers have found, getting a recording of the key being inserted into the lock. I know, it sounds crazy, but Sundaria Ramesh and her team at National University of Singapore have demonstrated that the clicks a key makes when inserted corresponds to how the key interacts with the tumblers and tells you the depth of the key at each point. And once you know the actual shape of the key, it's trivial for a locksmith to cut a key of their own that fits perfectly. Seriously, this article on ACM mentions that the key can be 3D printed, but that's doing it the hard way. Get a key blank and a key punch and do it yourself in seconds. What stops criminals from doing that is the fact that the number of combinations on a standard door lock is in the hundreds of thousands. But as researchers have found before, something as simple as an Instagram picture or YouTube video where your keys are visible gives them enough information to reproduce it. With this new technique, you just need the audio of the key being inserted. Ramesh said, quote, Our research group leverages information from the physical environment that is seemingly of no utility to either develop better applications or compromise existing ones. So we began to wonder if we can utilize the sound produced during key insertion, which has no utility of its own, to compromise physical lock security. 
This work is important. You might be smart enough to think your key being visible online might be a bad idea because it gives them enough information to reproduce it, but who would have thought about securing the audio? Doing a vlog where you enter the front door might make you vulnerable. But the team thought of other ways attackers could get the audio, including a walk-by attack where they're walking near you with a recorder while you unlock a door, or using malware on your smartphone to record the audio and send it home, and also hacking a nearby IoT device like a smart doorbell. The good news is, so far they've only been able to realize the attack with a microphone within four inches of the lock, but it's naive to think there would be no way to improve on that. They could use shotgun mics from a distance, or place hidden microphones in the hallway of an office or apartment building. Ramesh said that the next step for her team will be to look at defenses to such attacks. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to triangulate this week's biggest bogan emitter. And this week it goes to Adobe for filing bogus takedown notices against a legal software vendor on eBay. While most people today probably get their software via downloads, there are still physical copies being sold. Under the first sale doctrine, when someone buys an item, even if it's something copyrighted like a book or a CD, they can do whatever they want to with the physical item, including giving it or selling it to someone else. Gamers will probably be familiar with this, remembering the gaming companies using a similar tactic to try and shut down stores that sell used copies of games. Green Savannah LLC is a reseller of genuine copies of Adobe software, among other things. They claim in their complaint to be the largest and highest rated seller of Adobe software products on eBay. Adobe didn't like that, so they kept sending eBay DMCA takedown notices. Green Savannah filed counter-notices with eBay, and each one was successful. The deleted listing was restored each time. As the complaint says, Under the DMCA, if defendant disputed plaintiff's counter-notices, defendant had the opportunity to file a lawsuit against plaintiff within 10 to 14 days. However, while defendant threatened to do so, it did not file any lawsuit. So Adobe tried a different tack, which Green Savannah described as sidestepped. They reported the company to eBay for selling counterfeit products. In March, eBay terminated the company's account entirely. Quote, 
As a direct and proximate result of defendant's misconduct, plaintiff's ability to sell any software or anything else on eBay was terminated, even though plaintiff had a five-star rating on eBay and no other complaints. Defendant intentionally communicated the false statements to eBay in an effort to have eBay suspend or revoke plaintiff's account and or remove plaintiff's eBay listings. Defendant's abusive history speaks for itself. Defendant has unsuccessfully targeted multiple resellers for similar issues in an effort to stifle competition and consumer choice. Green Savannah was unsuccessful in having their eBay account reinstated, and attempts at communicating with Adobe ended up being fruitless. So they filed a lawsuit to protect their legal right to resell software. Quote, Defendant knew or should have known that plaintiff's listings and sales of Adobe software on eBay were covered by the first sale doctrine, and that plaintiff was not infringing on defendant's copyrights. Likewise, on information and belief, defendant neglected to consider plaintiff's fair use before sending the notices under the DMCA. Through its false statements, defendant falsely reported to eBay that plaintiff was selling counterfeit, illegal, and or infringing Adobe software, in fact, defendant knew or should have known that the Adobe software being sold by plaintiff on eBay was not counterfeit, illegal, and or infringing. Defendant was engaged in unfair and unlawful actions in an effort to monopolize the marketplace and prevent the lawful resale of Adobe software. Defendant's practices have harmed both independent resellers like plaintiff, whose ability to compete is impeded, and customers who are forced to pay increased costs for Adobe software as a result of this artificially deflated competition. In fact, defendant's acts, which follow a long history of unfair and unlawful practices, destroy competition for Adobe software at the expense of consumers. Defendant's actions have caused, and unless restrained by this court, will continue to cause irreparable injury to plaintiff. For such current and future wrongful conduct, while certain to inflict serious harm to plaintiff, there exists no adequate remedy at law. Plaintiff is therefore entitled to injunctive relief against defendant to prohibit such harm. They're also demanding compensatory and punitive damages, legal costs and reasonable attorney's fees, and interest. They've also demanded a jury trial, which should make things even more interesting. So all of that makes Adobe this week's biggest bogan emitter. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one -on -one customer service. Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot TV anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot TV. And now let's sulfurize this week's Idiot Extraordinary! 
And this week, it goes to several cities in Indiana who filed a really moronic lawsuit against Netflix and other streaming providers. These cities believe that streaming services owe them 5% of gross annual revenue because they think these services utilize the public right-of-way. Quote, Defendants transmit video programming to Indiana subscribers using Internet Protocol and other technologies. When doing so, defendants transmit their programming through facilities located at least in part in public rights-of-way within the geographic boundaries of Indiana units, including public rights-of-way located within plaintiff's geographic boundaries. Therefore, defendants are required by the VSF Act to pay the plaintiffs and all other Indiana units in which defendants transmit video programming through facilities located at least in part in a public right-of-way franchise fees. By defendants, they mean specifically Netflix, Disney, Hulu, DirecTV, and Dish Network, the latter two of which are satellite companies that they named in the lawsuit. The lawsuit is being brought forth by the cities of Indianapolis, Evansville, Valparaiso, and Fishers. Telecom attorney Harold Feld said, quote, I find it extremely unlikely that this lawsuit will prevail. The Federal Communications Act defines terms such as cable system and cable operator in physical terms. Yeah, it's hard to see how they're using the rights-of-way when they're not even physically located there. Claiming they're using the transmission lines is bogus, since that's actually the telecoms using the right-of-way. U.S. law defines a cable operator as, quote, a facility consisting of a set of closed transmission paths and associated signal generation, reception, and control equipment that is designed to provide cable service. Feld points out, Netflix is clearly not a cable provider. Furthermore, because broadband is not considered a cable service, Netflix does not offer video programming over a cable system, which would be required to make it a cable operator. And as Dish Network had already pointed out earlier, quote, Requiring satellite providers to pay a franchise fee or an equivalent tax is like asking cable and telecom companies to pay for launching satellites into orbit. This may get messy, especially if the FCC steps in, but anyone with a lick of sense can see there's no rational cause of action here. What's really happening is that cities are losing money right and left as people cut the cord and move to online services, thanks to high prices that exist in part because of these very taxes masquerading as franchise fees. And also, if you're wondering why it's so difficult for people to make companies that compete with big cable... Here's one major part of the answer right here. Of course, if this were really about the consumer, and not about the cities making money they really didn't do anything to earn, they just eliminate the franchise fees and other limitations and let competition in. Gee, I wonder why they don't do that. Or maybe this is really just about benefiting the lawyers who'll get tens of thousands of taxpayer dollars, if not much more, regardless of whether or not they win the suit. But what's next? People have to pay the franchise fee to upload to YouTube? Airline companies have to pay every time a plane flies overhead? Get a bit of money from NASA in every ISS orbit? So all of that makes Indiana and these cities this week's... Idiot Well, that wraps up this Semper Fidelis, High Fidelis edition of the Bogosity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please keep this podcast going by subscribing and supporting in one of several different ways you can find at donate.bogosity.tv. 
including PayPal, cryptocurrency, or subscribing at Patreon or Subscribestar to listen early and ad-free. Also, please come to discord.bogosity.tv where you can join the discussion and post a question, statement, news article, or rant. Thank you for listening. Remember, no podcast next week, so we'll be back in two weeks. Until then, here's a quote from H.L. Mencken. The liberty to have and hold property is not one they recognize. They believe only in the liberty to envy, hate, and loot the man who has it. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial Low Derivatives 4.0 International License. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain or regulations passed in the name of safety and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins.